In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The canon of St. Andrew that we continue to pray this evening guides us through Scripture, and it is indicative it is a, of the way that the fathers read Scripture. It is especially true for the way in which the church in its hymns reads Scripture. You'll especially see this as we come to Holy Week and as you pay attention. It's often how I turn Sunday homilies. You look at those who are active in the text. You see kind of the historical element, which is just kind of the narrative, what is going on, who said what, how, what does that mean, you kind of get the basics, and then the next level, where the fathers, they'll, they'll lay the historical work first, by historical, they mean just what I said, the narrative, getting a basic understanding of what was being said, and then they will turn to theology. And St. Andrew makes theology out of every character of the Old Testament. Well, at least it seems it's almost every character of the Old Testament. There's a few that I can recall that are not brought up by St. Andrew, but that's not the point, is the rhetorical force of all of those that he brings up. We hear again of Jacob tonight. Moses figures more prominently tonight than David did from last night. These men and women and situations throughout scripture, they are, on one level, they are a reminder to us, if we don't know what St. Andrew is talking about, it is time to either read the Old Testament or revisit the Old Testament. And guess what? The church actually, during Lent, has you reading vast swaths of the Old Testament. You get some of the, I won't say the greatest hits, but you get uh, Genesis, so the Pentateuch. You get the Proverbs, so you get wisdom literature. You get Isaiah from the prophets. So you get the law, wisdom, and prophets throughout Lent. And as you read Genesis, or as if you were to continue reading the Old Testament, because the church also assumes that you know Scripture. There's folks who have asked me before, and they're inquiring, they're thinking about orthodoxy, of what do you do with the Old Testament? Well, I kind of be like, well, we believe it, we live it, we, we believe it's fulfilled in Jesus Christ. I mean, what they want is like, what's your, like, pro- how do you approach liturgically? What do you do with the Old Testament? I'm like, well... We assume the Old Testament, almost everything that we do, it's the Prokimenon, the Hallelujah, the Psalter is everywhere. And the Psalter is basically pulling from all of the historical books. It is the prayer book of the Old Testament. But Rehoboam, Jeroboam, these names, Uzzah, and then you have Uzziah, you get these characters, and you're wondering, well, who are these people? Well, my friend, my brother, my sister, pick up scripture, read. On that first read-through, you can follow the fathers and they establish the narrative. Read Genesis, but don't get 
stuck on why is Zipporah throwing what she's throwing at Moses and saying you're a bloody man. Just keep moving. <laughs> don't get stuck on that. If you don't know what I'm talking about, you will when you read it. There is, once you've established that historical, that narrative, there is then going back and reading it with the eyes of fulfillment in our Lord Jesus Christ. There is then also in fulfillment of our Lord Jesus Christ and how he reflects a true Moses. He reflects a true Joseph. He uh, fulfills within himself all of the righteous men of the Old Testament. And being God, he uh, does a lot better than them as all of these men, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, uh, were sinners and fell short of the glory of God. But once you have established that historical, you see Christ at work and being fulfilled, uh, you then can take the text and look at someone like Moses, and I especially commend to you Gregor Nyssa's The Life of Moses, uh, but first, spend a lot of time just in Genesis before you try to pick up something like Gregory. And in the very first part, he establishes the narrative, the history of what's going on, and then he delves into what it means to Moses' life, what it can mean for you. And St. Andrew does this. He provides for you to contemplate the life of Moses and what it means for your particular soul. What is really driven home in the kind of St. Andrew that's been reflected throughout our hymns, especially once we get to Holy Week, is every chance, every person, every encounter with God is not just a historical thing like, now I know that Moses was put in a nice little basket and floated down the river. Now I can pass my Sunday school lesson, right? What it is, is what does it mean that Moses was put in the basket and floated down the river. What does it mean that, uh, for example, in the canon tonight, he killed to, uh, an Egyptian man, and it, you hear reflected in the canon, not a reflection on uh, a moral quandary and ethical what, Moses killing uh, this Egyptian, but it says Moses killed the Egyptian mind. And you see a key throughout the Old Testament, and you'll see it in the Psalms, you'll see it throughout Egypt is a sign, just like Edom was for uh, Esau, that this is a sign of dominion uh, where God is going to save Israel from Egypt. Egypt becomes uh, an image, a symbol, just like I'm sure many of you are familiar with, like Babylon is not a positive uh, country, uh, uh, empire in Scripture, right? When we get out of Babylon. That's uh, why we sing, sing the song, by the river, the waters of Babylon, right? It's a lament. We're stuck. We're in exile. We're in Egypt. And we need to put to death within us the Egyptian mind. Because what happens when the Israelites go out into the desert and they're wandering around? What do they start whining about? Flesh pots. Oh, the flesh pots. Oh, the great delicacies and things. I think it says in one translation, the cucumbers that we had in Egypt because we're out here in the desert. I assume they mean pickles. But you get the opportunity as the church forms you to, as you read scripture, to make you, your life, your heart, your journey with God. Not that it's all about you, 
But that is what you have control over, and as much as you have control, it is what you are responsible for. It is what God is going to judge you by. It is what you, in the reading of Scripture, contemplating the lives of the saints, uh, and applying that to your own life. This is what St. Andrew, in taking the, ma- the macrocosm of Scripture, where it includes everything in the world that can be interpreted through Scripture, and then it also, our Lord is particularly interested in you. Not just salvation history in some big, broad sense and being in the church in some big, broad sense and I'm going to join myself to it and I'm going to be present, but he doesn't want your body present here. He doesn't want just some nice thoughts to go through your head. He wants your heart and he's concerned specifically about pursuing you. So he's going to use the example of Moses. He's going to use the example of Rehoboam and Jeroboam. He's going to use any possible image of righteousness. And if he has to, he will use those images of Job sitting on a dunghill to try and get your attention. To wake you up, as the Kentuckian says, for this particular service. Why are we asleep Why, when we have before us all the riches of God himself in what he desires for us, that we, like all of these men and women of old, get so tripped up, placed in bonds for flesh pots and cucumbers in the land that we were slaves in. It is a great encouragement to know that as we plumb the depths of all of the sin and all of the messed up stuff that happens in the Old Testament. St. Augustine, by the way, was very kind of a horror when he first read the Old Testament. Because he's like, these guys, you know, Hagar, the handmaid, you know, just all of these not following what God wants. But God is working constantly through all of that. So, on one level, I encourage you, read the Old Testament. You have Genesis that is plotted out for you in the weekdays of Lent. This is what you should read. Read it. Read Proverbs. Contemplate wisdom. Let it just kind of sit with you. Go to Isaiah and see the drama of salvation. And if you're not entirely sure exactly what's going on, that's okay. Just keep reading There will be a line, there will be an example, there will be something that God will use to speak to you, to grab you, to shake you up a little bit, so that you can return to him day after day as we pursue him into Holy Week, as we stand by his cross, and as we look to his glorious resurrection. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.